You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cause we live. We live. We live. You know, really, I'm just excited because I don't have to hear Doug give me the quote-unquote hypothetical scenario that would send Russell Westbrook to the Charlotte Hornets anymore because he found himself a new home with the Houston Rockets way out in that other conference, the Western Conference. I don't have to hear any of Doug's shenanigans, any of his scenarios anymore. Well, hold on just a minute. Just because (laughs) Russell Westbrook went to Houston now doesn't mean that he couldn't eventually find himself in Charlotte if things don't work out in Houston. Anything is possible in the NBA. Now, the thing you probably should have said, and it really would be possible, was, but wait, what about Chris Paul? coming to the Charlotte Hornets because Oklahoma City is going to be looking to ship Chris Paul somewhere. That's the one that you could have given me. I like how you think, sir. I just like what (laughs) OKC is doing. They are tearing it all down. They were forced to tear it down. They weren't asking to tear it down. And now I hope that someone there, some entrepreneurial mind, has already worked up the trust the process, but throw a K in there. Trust the process. Trust. Does that work? Are we a fan of trust the process? It would be more of a visual joke than an audio <laughs> joke. But yeah, trust the process. I mean, listen, I'm thinking about doing it myself. I'm going to Google it, see if anyone else has done it so far. And I really feel like a Sam Presti trust the process shirt should be in the works. This is Locked On Hornets presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Did Sam Presti really throw that great of a party along with Russell Westbrook if Paul George did decide to leave after just one year and can we even use that anymore because that would have been a really cool shirt for Oklahoma City party like Presty but apparently it wasn't all that great if Paul George decides you know what deuces I'm gone after just a a single season well listen we just we underestimate or we overestimated the power of the party I thought the power of the party I thought the power of friendship the power of brotherhood the power of Russell Westbrook's intense competitive nature would be enough to keep Paul George where he was but this there is no power greater than self in the NBA right now Michael Lee wrote up a great article about this that really I mean this is we are in the nomadic era of NBA basketball where you know, we used to think of journeyman as as a bad word, or not even a bad word, but just something that you associated with players like, you know, a Lou Williams was just going to go all over the place, give his services to any team that would take him, but we didn't associate that with high-end level players, and now we are, and it's not because teams are making that happen. Teams are being held hostage, essentially, by players that they thought they had under contract, and you know, teams like the Charlotte Hornets, they want to draft well, right? Because you get to keep players for seven, eight years if if restricted free agency works out. Uh, but after that, they're just you, you should expect for players to leave. You should not have any. I mean, let's talk about that in respect to Miles Bridges. Like if Bridges explodes, I'm expecting <laughs> him to want to go to New York or L.A. or Boston. I'm no longer expecting players to be like Kimba Walker and express a real desire to stay where they are. Well, and it's funny because Nada has tried to warn us on Twitter a ton because Miles Bridges was talking with LeBron James on Twitter. And of course, who is Miles Bridges represented by? He's represented by Clutch Sports, which represented 
LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and a bunch of other players where you think, okay, maybe they could team up with their other guys that are also represented by that agency. And and listen, I'm the first one to call Nada out on overreacting. He's the overreacting king of of Twitter. It's first and second's not even close. (laughs) You know, I was thinking about that. I want to play a game with Nada next time he's on the show. Close or not even close? Because he had a tweet (laughs) yesterday where he said, it's close. It was one of those like... You have to give away one. And I think, you know, he gave away Drake. It was like a, a list of R and B artists. And but he <laughs> said right. it, but he said it is close. So I really want to play a game with Nada. Is it close or is it not even close? Uh, hopefully we'll get him back on the show next week to do that. Um, but I, I'm usually the first to call him out, but I totally buy that because I, I remember when Miles Bridges was drafted, he just didn't seem that enthusiastic to be a member of of the Charlotte Hornets. And of course he was drafted by the Los Angeles Clippers. And then, you know, through the Shea Gilgis Alexander trade made his way to Charlotte. He just didn't seem that enthusiastic. And I always sort of had that feeling in my stomach that if Miles Bridges were to pop off the charts and be a valuable asset, you know, seven, eight years from now, that a team could definitely pry him away from Charlotte. And I felt the same way about Malik Monk. I mean, as much as he was, you know, oh, you know, New York didn't take me and they're going to regret that, uh, he would go to the Knicks in a second if if his value were there. Well, now he'd go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now it doesn't matter what kind of small market, large market, whatever market you are now, I'm sure he would want to go to any other team. You can get Locked On Hornets on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and when you get in your car or you get home from work, just tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Hornets. We'll talk a little bit about that Russell Westbrook trade to the Houston Rockets, a shocker. Everybody thought it was going to be Miami that was in the Russell Westbrook mix. They were, but they weren't able to land him. And uh, let's start off with some Hornets Summer League. We talked about Hornets Summer League on Wednesday. They played a game on that Wednesday. It was against the Chicago Bulls. Got to see Kobe White play. Didn't play well, if I'm not mistaken, in that game. Somebody that hasn't had that great of a field goal percentage playing in Summer League hadn't looked all that great. But uh, when you look at what the Hornets have done uh, this summer league, it's it's more of the same for Charlotte that we talked about on Wednesday. You know, not not great efficiency from Dwayne Bacon this summer. You know, Miles Bridges, it's not like he played all that well against Chicago. Just four of 12 for him, uh, 0 of 4 from beyond the arc for both Dwayne Bacon and Miles Bridges. You look at Devontae Graham, you know, played a little bit better, I think. It wasn't fantastic by any measure, but did hit four of eight from three-point range, five of 12 in that game. And then Cody Martin, you know, you look at what he did, four of seven from him from the field, but then you go to those turnovers, and that's the thing you really wanted to see the improvement from him, and he only had one. So this was somebody that had been turning the ball over a ton and uh, you look at his steal to turnover ratio, what was, you know, what was getting better in his assist turnover ratio. It was not very good, but he had two assists in this one, one turnover, three steals, also had a block in this game. So actually Cody Martin played a little bit better than what he had shown in the previous uh, other summer league games that he participated in. 25 minutes for Cody Martin. What were some of your notes that you took from watching this game against Chicago? That Cody Martin is not afraid to use his size advantage inside and he's finishing well around the cup I mean I really like that part of his offensive game uh Devontae Graham had his best game of the summer the most encouraging game from Devontae Graham yet and this is like a really good passing summer league team like I mean they've got a couple of guys I mean Martin was distributing well Devontae was distributing extremely well and then Kubolka had sort of the highlight of the game uh that that pass inside that he made uh from beyond the three-point line uh, this is just a fun a fun team to watch move the basketball. 
Uh, but uh, I loved what I saw out of Kuboka as well. Again, I, I just I think this is a good young crop of players that the Charlotte Hornets have, and I hope that we're going to see a lot of them this season as this rebuild or faux rebuild looks to begin. Let's talk about Kuboka, and everybody wants him here. Arnie! It seems like it, it seems like it's the right time to have him here, right? I mean, this is a team that is rebuilding. You know, this is a team that does have the roster spot for him. Now, I when you look at two-way contracts, Robert Franks gets that two-way contract pretty early, even just after one summer league game. They say, okay, this this is it. This is this is our guy that we're going to go with at least first and foremost. And they had been platooning these guys, right? Like it was Arnie Kubolka or it was Robert Franks playing in summer league and and you you wonder if Kubolka would have been a two-way contract type of guy. But now, you know, with him being drafted, looking pretty good in summer league, even if it wasn't a great game against Chicago, you did see the vision there. That was a pretty sweet pass that he had. You know, to me, and it makes all the sense in the world. And I think we talked about this the last show. You know, the one thing he needed to work on was gaining muscle. And he did that outside of your sight. You know, he did that without you babying him this entire time. And I think that's important. And so you know that he's got the drive. You know that he's been playing professionally over there anyway. So him just growing into his body, you could see that he's still a shooter. He looks like a better basketball player than what he did a year ago. And that's without you having to baby him. You know, that's good stuff. Yeah, let's bring him on over here and keep him in the regime. I loved his attitude after the the loss to China. He basically was like, "Look, I know what what it takes to win, you know, EuroLeague basketball. It's a it's a more intense uh, team defensive game, and you know the 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 American game is more superstar based, is is less focused on on team defense. And I want some of that attitude with these young players. I think he knows what it takes to to grind it out and and to make things happen. And yeah, I, I would love to see Arnie on the team. One thing real quickly before we take our first break. Um, I don't want to be that guy. I'm going to Do be it. that guy even yeah. after I say I don't want to be that guy. But Daniel Gafford in this game, very good. 8 of 10 from the free throw line. He got a lot of points there, but goes 6 of 11 from the field. Gets 10 rebounds. This is not his first 20-point game in Summer League. And Daniel Gafford was selected two selections after the Hornets decided to take Cody Martin. And I was a big advocate of getting Daniel Gafford at 36 overall and they decided to pass and it was interesting Doug because James Borrego kept telling us that he wanted to get a big guy that defensively could protect the rim you know it would be nice to have somebody that could run rim to rim and just go slam it on somebody Daniel Gafford certainly has that in him I mean he's he's a dog man when you throw that up towards the rim he's going to come down with it he's going to slam it on your head And Daniel Gafford showed that for the Chicago Bulls and just a guy that in the second round, no, no, I mean, so it's not like everybody was clamoring to get Daniel Gafford, but Daniel Gafford is somebody that looked very good out of Arkansas. I really liked him, really wanted him at 38. Once Bruno Fernando was gone, I believe at 34, they decided to pass on him. Somebody that actually hurt the Hornets in the summer league game. Yeah, I don't listen. I don't. I don't think Gafford is going to uh, make any actual NBA highlights for a long time. Uh, but I think Cody Martin has like a great size for the point guard position. Had a massive uh, uh, block at the three point line in that game. I mean, he just he to me. I know he's had an up and down, you know, summer league, and I don't expect him to be a part of this team for a, another couple of years. But I just really he looks like an NBA player to me. Yeah, you're a fan. You're a I fan. am. I really I- am. I hear you. Uh, Yeah, I mean, look, he's got the size. I hope that it all develops, but I just wanted to be that guy. Uh, I'm on the record 
for liking Daniel Gafford. Get it on there. Get his minutes. Look, I like Gafford. I like uh, I like uh, Kobe White. <laughs> I think Kobe White's going right. to be the greatest uh, yeah. player sure. of this draft. I mean, just get all the opinions out there because it doesn't matter. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with more Summer League talk as well as some of the trades that have happened this offseason. It's the Locked on Hornets podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network. This is Locked on Hornets. But I have seen him go all That's the way up to number 10. That was, is there a warning? Do we I need to get trying, out of here? Okay, here's the thing. My, I don't know if you heard, but my watch went off and I was trying to silence it. And then I accidentally hit ping the phone and then the phone pinged. And, and now here we are. I'm doing my best, man. It seems like you're doing your very worst. <laughs> well, sometimes it seems like you're I'm actively fighting you today to move. To sometimes move my best is my worst. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. A little groove music there for you. It is groovy. That's new. I didn't, I didn't know whether to acknowledge it or just move on, but I felt like we needed to address that a little bit. Also, a new bump that I haven't heard before because I haven't paid attention to the other bumps that you've played so far, but I like it all. You are doing your very best right now. It is not your very worst. Well, listen, it's summertime with time to kind of relax a little bit. We're doing less shows, so I'm hoping to produce more bumps, get some new music in here, freshen things up. I'm on a calorie count right now, a little personal update, trying to slim down a little bit drop about eight, nine pounds because I my medium shirts started to become schmedium shirts and mm-hmm. I want them to go back to being medium shirts. No, you look good. I wanted to tell you that. You look sexy. Oh, so one thing I wanted to you. say, Daniel Gafford, right? Like I talked about him a little God, bit. Oh, good. I, I'm glad you complimented me first before getting back into Gafford. Uh-huh, this ratings um, bonanza that we're going to hit with your Gafford talk. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, you brought up during the break, he has looked extremely good, and that was what was a really good pick for the uh, New Orleans Pelicans. Brandon Clark looks really good for the Memphis Grizzlies, what he's done in summer league. Here's the thing, right? Like, you get all of these other players that are performing really well, and it's funny, Tyler Hero has performed pretty well for the Miami Heat. You know, playing in summer league, he was the pick right after P.J. Washington. I will say this, like, P.J. hasn't played. So, you know, like it, it, it's, it's frustrating, I think, as Hornets fans to see everybody else playing well in Summer League. And again, we have to speak with the caveat that it's Summer League. So, yes, we all need to calm down. But at least P.J. Washington hasn't played and then played poorly, right? He's like, going to be the secret, fan, the secret weapon. Yes. If you're a Knicks fan, it sucks to see R.J. Barrett playing so poorly, right? Like, it doesn't mean that you have to write him a off. Good, yeah, I think his last game was okay. Oh, but overall, it has not been a good no, Summer for, League for, sure. for him. Yeah, he's so, one of the few. When, you know, I was going to say, like, he's one of the few players that hasn't played well. Like, I mean, there's Jack, been a lot. Yeah, all these rookies have played well so Rui, far. Rui's amazing. <laughs> so, uh, PJ Washington hasn't played, and so we have to keep that in context. But anyways, if there's any Hornets fans feeling frustrated, even more so because it's not like PJ Washington was a popular pick. That's something that we have to take in. Hey, he's not playing, or else. Maybe he would be somebody that's blowing up as well. All right, let's talk about Terry Rozier. Oh, first, you wanted to get into some of the haul about the the Clippers, what they got, and the way to rebuild because the Hornets are in a situation where they're certainly rebuilding right now. And and people want that, right? It feels like, especially after Kimba Walker's departure, the the desire for this team to reset, rebuild, 
is is there. I mean, fans, I think, are ready to move. Well, I think we're all to terms with it now after mm-hmm. that lowball offer. I, I don't think that was the case right. before, but now I think now you're starting to embrace, okay, go start Malik Monk over Nick Batum and stuff. And, but like the problem is, here's the awkward position that the Hornets find themselves in. They are full of assets that that people don't want. Like LAC, the Clippers, they were able to pull that deal off for Kawhi Leonard because they had a player in in SGA and Shea Gilgis Alexander. I'm just doing all of these abbreviations mm-hmm. and then immediately saying the full name of the of the thing that I'm talking about. Well, wanna, and let's just continue to bring up players that the Hornets could have had that I just absolutely love mm-hmm. and they didn't get. Let's just continue to bring that up. All right, so so they get rid of SGA, <laughs> Shea Gilgis Alexander. They also package uh, Danilo Gallinari, DG. They move him as well. And they had assets that teams wanted, and they featured those assets, right? The Clippers played Shea Gilgis a lot, and, and Shea Gilgis, to his credit, used those minutes very well and became a valuable asset. The problem with the Hornets is because they've had a desire to actually win NBA games, they haven't featured their young talent. And so that young talent, I like. I think there was probably some kind of market for Miles Bridges last season, but I don't think it was like a, a, an extremely, um, you know, not an SGA market, not a not an extremely valuable market. And the same with Malik Monk because because he has not been a player that can win you NBA basketball games. And the Hornets made that clear uh, by not playing him. You can't move him, and so yeah, the rebuild when you rebuild. When you reset, it's nice if you're like your OKC. You have because you drafted well, and because you've you've featured things. And and if you're LAC, you've featured your pieces. Then then you can reset. You can rebuild. I think there's a lot of things that goes into play comparing the SGA situation with the Clippers and the Miles Bridges situation. Because I don't look at the minutes of Miles Bridges and think that he absolutely should have played more. Right? Like especially the last month, he was thrown into the rotation when the Hornets kind of gave up and it, it's weird to say gave up but they certainly didn't put winning at the forefront of what they wanted to do anymore and then it just so happened that they were winning when they decided to kind of give up in a little bit of that of that last month of the regular season I don't have any problem with the minutes that Miles played in fact I kind of liked the way that they handled that situation with their rookie and I think overall you know Doug I think SGA is just better I do. I think you can look at the per 36-minute numbers, and I understand that they are pretty similar when you start to look at that a little bit more. I do think SGA is a better basketball player, and so I think that's why there's probably more of a market where people think, okay, SGA is more valuable on the trade market. I don't have any problem with the minutes that Miles played, and I do think that there was a market where Miles was the guy that you were kind of featuring. Maybe Malik Monk it is a little bit more appropriate for this type of conversation, but you know, Malik Monk, the more you play him, it's almost the more that he depreciates in value because he just hasn't been very good. But I am with you in the fact that the Clippers did a good thing of balancing. We're winning. We've got our veterans out here and SGA is a part of this. And then once we get Landry Shamit, Landry Shamit is a part of this because Jerome Robinson, remember the pick after SGA, he, he wasn't a part of it all that much. And that was a one selection after they got SGA, and he wasn't a part of it because he just wasn't very good. Well, so there are two parts to this, right? It's drafting players who have upside and then featuring those players. And the Hornets have done neither. They, they, they're not drafting players that have high upside. Again, you draft P.J. Washington, a safe pick. And then if, if P.J. Washington isn't featured, I mean, there's already discussion about sending him down to Greensboro. Like if you don't, if you continue to draft safe and then not play those players, 
then yeah. you can't get return on that investment. Can, can we talk about that for a second? I think that's way overblown. The PJ Washington, everybody running around with chickens, with, like chickens with their head cut off. Like I don't get all that. <laughs> running I say around with chickens is that running why around with chickens. It's it's funny. I decided to stop at a point where it made it sound like I said everybody's running around with chickens. You know, seriously, you know, everybody stop running around with chickens. It's a problem, okay? Just because PJ Washington is brought up to go down to Greensboro, I really do think that's way overblown, man. Like. PJ, if PJ Washington goes and plays a couple of games, like one or two, it's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean that he's not going to get a ton of run in the regular season. And Twitter blew up about that. Like, who cares if he plays one or two games down in Greensboro? That's fine. Malik Monk, you know, played every single game really uh, up with with the in his rookie season with the Charlotte Hornets. It's like maybe one or two. And that was fine. And and it, it helped Dwayne Bacon. I just think I think that's overblown. And I'm not saying that's what you were saying. It's just Twitter did not like those comments. And they were pretty befuddled by Mitch Kupchak even saying that. Yeah, listen, people want to see the draft picks. They want to see PJW, PJ Washington. Running around with chickens. <laughs> that's how they want to see it. Um, let's get to Terry Rozier. I, I know you have some stats that I was it his agent who brought it up. So Terry Rozier has not been an efficient basketball player in his time in the NBA so far. In fact, the dude has failed to shoot above 40% in any one of his seasons. It, mm-hmm. It's ugly, it, Doug. I mean, the, the best season that he's ever shot was it was 39.5% from the field. He did shoot 38% from three two years ago, 35% from three this past season. So you're okay with the way that he shot from three. His effective field goal percentage is just a tick under 50%, which is fine. Like, it, that's okay. You, you need something better from Terry Rozier, but I know you have seen some numbers that suggest maybe this is somebody that does play better basketball when he is a starter, and we know he is going to be the starting point guard for this team. Yeah, so I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't come up with this topic on my own. It was actually Rozier. No, this is our very own. We will take full ownership of this. Doug, go ahead and pat yourself on the back once again. Well, listen, I'm always, I'm always <laughs> game to do that, and, and that's part of the reason why I'm on a calorie count is so that I can reach. Uh, you know, I, I'm not so wide. I can't reach around and pat myself on the back. <laughs> But uh, Rozier's agent, uh, Aaron Turner, told Boston Globe's Adam Himmelsbach, quotes, people say, oh, Terry only shot this percentage. The Hornets are bringing him in to start. Look at his numbers as a starter. He's right there with the elite, the Mike Connollys, the Kyle Lowrys. He's not far behind Kyrie. He's elite as a starter, and that's what they're bringing him in to do. And so when you hear those comments or you read those comments, you initially, you're like, wait a minute, hold on. Terry Rozier is not in the same conversation with Connolly or Lowry or Kyrie Irving. And but? I, and well, and I definitely don't think he's in the conversation with <laughs> Kyrie Irving. But so I did a little research here. First of all, I wanted to tackle his first assertion that Terry Rozier was better as a starter than he was off the bench. And that's correct. Like if you look last season – he, was, uh, he started 14 games for them, shot 42.9% from the field, 40.5% from three, and uh, great f- uh, free throw percentage as well, 89.5. And these are, I'm looking at per 36 numbers, so I'm judging these, you know, judging the starter numbers and the bench numbers on the, the kind of the same plane here. But if you look at his bench numbers, that drops to 37.5% and 33.7%. And listen, we know that Terry Rozier did not like being a bench player. Like he really wanted to be a starting point guard. And it may just be the case that that's where he fits. Some players are better off the bench and some players 
like getting those starter minutes, starting the game and getting a majority of their minutes in the game. And so if you just look at this per 36 numbers last season, that holds up. And then I thought, wait a minute, I want to kind of go look at this Kyle Lowry comparison. And and it it sort of is eerily similar as well. Like if you go back and look at his per 36 numbers the year before he became a starter for Houston, so that would have been 09-10, very similar numbers to uh, Rozier's bench numbers uh, last season with the Boston Celtics. And then once Kyle Lowry was elevated to a starting position, his numbers started to reflect more of what we've come to know from Kyle Lowry. And that was in Kyle Lowry's fifth season, which is what Terry Rozier is about to embark on. So that comparison is not too far off. I mean, usually we associate agent statements with being a little outrageous because they are representing their player, but these aren't too far off, Walker. I mean, I I, I sort of see where he's coming from, and it's sort of the argument that we've, the silver lining argument that you and I have tried to make, that we just don't know what Terry Rozier as a full-time starter with, with absolutely, you know, all the green light in the world is going to look like. So... Two things. Let, let's go to him performing better as a starter rather than him as a bench player. The only way that makes sense to me is that he's pouting, right? That Because there, there's no way that you're going up against worse competition, uh, essentially. you know, Going up against worse players when you're coming in on the second rotation and, and playing worse than going up against better basketball players in the starters. I that that just doesn't make sense to me. So it has to be Terry Rozier just not embracing that role, which okay, if if that's the case and he embraces his role here in Charlotte because he's wanted and he's the number 1 guy, then fine, but to me I just it's tough to put a whole lot of credit as far as anything on the basketball court resonating with that rather than just him pouting to me. And that that's one thing that it's tough, but if that's the case then fine. And you look at Kyle Lowry and some of those guys, it, it is interesting. You know, you do see this, you do see somewhat of a trend. Not not necessarily a trend is probably too strong, but you have seen it happen before where point guards are not very efficient. And then it takes not only two or three years, but even four or five to where they do find another gear where they can play. And maybe it does take a second scene. You know, Kyle Lowry bounced around a couple teams. He was with Memphis for a few years. Then he goes to Houston. And then Toronto is the team that finally takes the big chance on him. And you start to see when he becomes a full-time starter, it was that second year, that third year in Houston, where he actually was able to put together better numbers. And then by age 26 is when he goes to Toronto. You know, you mentioned a couple of other point guards there. It's just that Terry Rozier's numbers are so inefficient overall it it looks like i said this to nada it looks like they paid 18 million dollars a year for malik monk in the future if malik monk doesn't pan out <laughs> and to have both of those guys on the same team it's worrisome but you're all right like you you can you can see some silver lining with the terry rogier signing even if he's absolutely way overpaid there's no question about it based on what he's done in the past I'm with you. You know, I, I don't think it's as bad as everybody's saying because we're going to suck anyway. And what the hell? Let's take a chance on a guy. Even if it is a bad contract, I, I'd rather not have it on the books. But I also don't think it's doomsday because they do have it on the books. Yeah. Again, last year as a starter, uh, again, per 36, he was 40.5% from three, 42.9% from the field. Uh, got, it didn't really get to the free throw line all that much, but six rebounds, six assists. And I mean, I take that honestly, 15.6 points again per 36, but 
I mean, if, if that's the Terry Rozier that we're getting and he can increase his ability to score, so driving, you know, creating contact, getting to the line so we can up that from 15 to 20, I mean, or, or even like, you know, 17, 18. I mean, you're taking 18, 6, and 6 from your starting point guard. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, yeah. that, to me, that would be desirable. All right, we don't do this podcast alone. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's the number one local sports daily podcast network. Search Locked On in your podcast feed to see if your favorite NFL, MLB, or college team is represented. Or you can go to LockedOnSports.com. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. We're covering your team every single day. We'll take a quick break and come back with some of the NBA talk. we got to get to the Russell Westbrook trade. It's all on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I'm a fantastic Googler. I'm bad at logging in. If they were to do sort of a scouting report of of me and my ability to use the internet. Todd, 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 Todd. Yeah. Excellent Googler. Not a very good guy that's logging in. Very good at interrupting the host anytime he's trying to go on a rant. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Please listen carefully. As we alluded to a couple of times before, Russell Westbrook has been traded to the Houston Rockets. It happened last night. Shocked to see that it was the Houston Rockets, even though I probably shouldn't be. Daryl Morey is going to be somebody that hunts for stars. He is star hungry as and probably more star hungry than Pat Riley, who always wants to go after the best players in the NBA, regardless of the situation that he's in. It just seemed like Miami was the team that not only made the most sense, but almost made the only sense to go get him. And I understand if you're able to unload Chris Paul's contract for the Houston Rockets sake, but I think there is a very real question about Russell Westbrook and James Harden playing together. If the Houston Rockets are a better basketball team, I think the way that they're a better basketball team is that Russell Westbrook has been healthier than Chris Paul and he's younger. But as far as the way they fit, James Harden drives in the lane, defense collapses. He's so good at kicking it out to wherever an open three-point shooter is. But I'll tell you this, I think a lot of people would tell you this, James Harden, you would rather him be kicking out to Chris Paul to shoot that open three than Russell Westbrook, who was the worst volume shooter ever from beyond the arc this past season. And in the first half of the season, it was god-awful, Doug. Yeah, and you you wonder, like, how is... How are both of these players going to adjust to not being the highest usage player on the team? And how is Russell Westbrook, who is, I think, a little bit uh, antithetical to sort of the more analytical side of of basketball? Like, I I don't know if Russell Westbrook really (laughs) uh, prescribes to that at all. I think he's very much, uh, you know, out there to win basketball games by any means necessary. And by by any means necessary, he usually means by any Russell Westbrook necessary. <laughs> and, and how is he going to uh, how is he going to fit in in that sort of Maury Ball culture? I, I can't decide what's going to be more interesting: the basketball fit or the cultural fit. Because I thought like Russell Westbrook, just his attitude, his athleticism, his whole his whole vibe, like you said, fits so well with what Miami has always been. And they've always been a franchise that that could be deferential to a player like Russell Westbrook. And and in Houston, they only have that player in James Harden. And so what what is that going to look like? Now we've seen they we've seen these things work themselves out before. 
but we've also seen them be complete disasters. I'm not sure. I guess I'm just not sure how different the the relationship is going to be between Russell and Harden than it was between Harden and CP3. Well, I think on the basketball court, that's a fair question to ask. But off of the basketball court, James Harden and CP3 did not get along. It was reported just a month ago that the relationship was unsalvageable. And despite Daryl Morey being adamant that it was fine and that Chris Paul was going to be a Houston Rocket, he lied. He, he lied to us, and that's fine. That's what GMs do. It's what Mitch Kupchak did when he said that he was going to do everything he could to keep Kemba Walker. That's what the general managers in the NBA do. They lie to try to control the narrative, and that's absolutely fine. But they did trade Chris Paul in order to get Russell Westbrook. And you heard Royce Young talking about this earlier as he's been reporting on this trade market where Paul George now goes to the Clippers, now Russell Westbrook heads to the Rockets. Russell Westbrook's number one option was to go to Houston, and Miami was in the mix. He would have been fine going to play with Jimmy Butler under Eric Spolstra and and playing with Miami, but it seemed like Sam Presti and Russell Westbrook really wanted to do right by each other, and it's nice when Sam Presti can bring in more picks for a guy like Russell Westbrook where the attractive thing here is to get off of that contract. It's not to get all of the picks because he's so valuable. You know, it, It's to get off of that contract, and on top of that, you get more picks. And so it works out for Sam Presti. It works out for Russell Westbrook, who goes and gets to play with his friend because James Harden and Russell Westbrook both have a good relationship. And CP3 and James Harden just didn't. Now, CP3 is the better shooter. And so I think the way that you handle this is Russell Westbrook being that guy that drives in the paint and then kicks it out to a catch-and-shoot James Harden. And it's weird because we don't think about the Rockets playing like that because they haven't played like that in forever. You know, Mike D'Antoni makes James Harden the point guard, and everybody was like, well, I don't know about that. I mean, he's really more of a two-slash-three, but he makes him the point guard, and it works. You have this offensive revolutionary-type player, and I think they're going to have to bounce off of that because the better basketball is Russell Westbrook driving in the paint and kicking out to a James Harden who can just shoot way better than what Russell Westbrook can. And it's going to be interesting to see that fit, what D'Antoni decides to do. But, man, I mean, I I think that's the answer along with a couple of other things that you're going to have to work with. It's just, you're right, to, to have both of these guys be the highest usage percentage players out there on the market, out there in the entire NBA, play together, you're right, it is completely antithetical. But, Walker, what... I want to go back to this like relationship that broke down between Harden and CP3. Like what incentive is there for a player to tough it out? What incentive is there for a player to repair a relationship that might not be going the way that either person envisioned it going? Because like all of these players are proving now that if you don't like your situation, if you don't like it on the basketball floor or if you don't like it off the court, then you just go somewhere else. It doesn't matter if you're under contract. It doesn't matter if you're a restricted free agent. Like You just find a way. You find a way to make it happen because that's that's the league we're living in now. And it just, like, everyone is going to go play with their friends and play with people they like. And, and I mean, the, the player, it's not about the relationship between the player and the organization anymore. It's, it is about the, the relationship of the players in the locker room. I mean, it's being a general manager in this league is... Uh, is is becoming a more and more difficult job because that's what you have to figure out. It's not about you and me in the room anymore. How do, how do we get along? Do we have the same vision? It's about, hey, let's take a poll of the players and make sure that you can play in the pool with everyone. 
Well, and apparently James Harden wanted Chris Paul off of this team, as reported by Royce Young. And so, you know, to see James Harden wanted C, uh, excuse me, yeah, CP3 wanted off of this team. And so it makes sense that Daryl Morey is going to pick the MVP of the league rather than a point guard who continues to age and break down and what he wants. And so now you have a relationship between those two guys on the court where it does make a lot of sense. And look, Doug, that Chris Paul hasn't gotten along with anybody where they had a real chance to contend for a title. You go back to the Clippers, Blake Griffin and DeAndre Jordan were rumored to be best friends on the team. And part of their love for one another was because of their hatred for Chris Paul. Because Chris Paul apparently would just bully DeAndre Jordan because he was so demanding. And, And at some point, it doesn't become, oh, that guy just wants to win so badly. It's Get off my effing back. Listen, Walker, I can't wait to see how Terry Rozier gets along with the rest of this locker room because we know that that Kemba uh, took some of those younger players under his wing and they were the the Avengers, essentially, for Kemba Walker. And they had a great relationship. And Kemba mentioned it in his uh, goodbye letter that he penned, how much he enjoyed uh, that Mm -hmm. the young players looked up to him. I don't think Terry Rozier is going to have that same kind of attitude. I don't think he's going to have the same kind of patience for younger players he's going to want to go in there and be the alpha and and win basketball games and and I think he's going to be the same way I think the difference between Terry Rozier is that it seemed like all of the problems happened once Kyrie Irving appeared and we know how Kyrie Irving is and I think all of the blame goes to him even though Terry Rozier is somebody that's very outspoken Mm -hmm. it hasn't been somebody that's been rumored to not get along with other players and Kyrie Irving not only had problems with Terry Rozier but he had problems with Marcus Morris he had problems big problems with Jalen Brown and so Terry Rozier he was just vocal about it hey look I had to sacrifice a ton because I was a backup point guard that was a backup to the backup point guard because Marcus Smart got those minutes and and I think that's the difference between Terry Rozier and other guys that may have had problems mentoring other kids uh, mentoring other young players and you know Chris Paul is quite different but I'm with you I just I just don't think that Terry just based on what I've heard him say I don't think he's coming in here and going to adjust to the way things have been he's coming in here with a mandate no he's coming in here to lead he's coming in in here to make this (laughs) Terry's team and and the Hornets allowed him to think that yeah he he thinks that and the Hornets allowed him to think that and it's exactly what happened with the Al Jefferson thing that we brought up all those you know a a couple weeks ago we had that podcast it it was them selling a vision to a free agent that they really wanted and okay the, the bag is nice I'll take that but also the vision is damn good too and you're right he thinks that and the Hornets have allowed him to think that we appreciate you joining us here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast again we're part of the Lockdown podcast network when you are driving to work or from work or just around town all you have to do is tell your smart device to play podcast Lockdown Hornets and we'll be there right with you for the drive we'll take a I guess a a nice weekend come back on Monday Uh, Doug I don't know what our schedule is going to be maybe the next couple of weeks or so do you have anything that you were thinking to throw out there for the listeners i don't know my cheat day is tomorrow that's all i'm focused on Uh, i'm gonna have uh, a cheeseburger i'm gonna have uh, a pizza um that's all that i'm focused on uh but more on next week uh later all right we'll talk about it later uh you can find myself on twitter at walker mail doug at doug branson loh and nada hopefully he'll be able to join us next friday that's going to be nada uh, at nada the scribe uh we'll talk to you next week thanks again for joining us